Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back again, or welcome for the first time, to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the P-O-D cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us, people. Just go look for it. You'll find us somewhere, anywhere. You, you may think you're alone, but one of these days you'll turn around, and there I am. There, there the, there's the podcast. There's the P-O-D cast. I'm your eternal host, Chris Perfett, the adequate host, Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T on Twitter. Here once again to bring you another delicious Detroit Lions podcast and joining me today, none of the none of the standard crew. Uh, it's the off-season. People are on vacation. Ryan is AWOL. I think he fell asleep. It happens. Just what happens in the dead of February. So we bring back Deputy Editor Mansoor Shaheen. I get those goosebumps every time yeah. you come around, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. I think I'm the fearless leader right now, interim fearless leader. So Interim, yeah, that's your new title along with the Travis Scott drop, which, uh, by the way, congratulations to your to the maker of your intro music being up on uh, the Super Bowl halftime show. In honor that yes. cannot say he has ever, that uh, Fred Durst can say he's ever gotten. Took over the SpongeBob hype, and I also waited for the drop this week. I want credit for that. I didn't forget and speak over his. And that's fine. The power of editing cures all things. <laughs> uh, Kentley Platty is here as well. Hi, Kent. Hey, guys. Glad to be on. Yep. At MathBomb from Twitter, our resident draft and numbers expert. Coming back in again. Uh, not too much draft talk this week. Uh, we've got some questions in the mailbag, though, about the draft and i know like everyone keeps asking for more draft talk and we we do need to start adding some so kent you're i'll probably keep you on speed dial for the coming weeks for, for sure because even though we've got free agency coming up it's the draft is what steals the thunder and, and, and if you're not if you're if you, and as they say in talladega nights if you ain't first you're last i'll be around man i I'm, I'm i'm here all season this is this is my game time right yeah hey tip your tip your bartender too right <laughs> All right, uh, but we start tonight on Glover Quinn, who we unfortunately have to say goodbye to from Detroit. He was released by the Detroit Lions on Friday, and he ends, I believe, what is it now, six years? Yeah, six seasons of service with Detroit after coming over from the Houston Texans, which uh, I think he was one of the, lo- like, again, pretty long-standing guy, one of the long-standing <clears throat> on the squad here after Matthew Stafford. Uh, and Don Muehlbach, who, I mean, we could probably say now Muehlbach was resigned, right? That happened. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, well, we, could, we could say that months ago, and it, it was still, I mean, it's going to happen eventually. Death taxes and Don Muehlbach, long snapping for the Detroit Lions. But we begin with Quinn. So that was your good news, bad news. Good news, the Mule is back. Bad news, Glover Quinn is gone. And he was one of the longstanding guys with the Detroit Lions. Uh, very good face for the team. Good production up until about, I would say, like about a year ago or so. It's kind of dipped a little bit. But uh, Mansoor, kind of what, what do you, how do you take this news right now? Um, so it was kind of expected. I wrote a thing on him like a week and a half ago about um, why he was probably going to get cut because he really fell off and lost a step very clearly. I think he's just going to retire now. That's what I imagine happens with him. And Tracy Walker probably fills his role maybe Tavon Wilson maybe this saves Tavon Wilson's future with the Lions too because we need more depth at safety and someone who can actually like play like 
maybe not even well, but just, you know, play on the field, which is a very high bar to clear in the NFL. So Lions should be fine, but it does suck to see a guy who's played like a hundred straight games just be gone now. Yeah, nobody wants to see Glover Quinn leave, but I think it's kind of like the Stephen Tulloch situation, right? Where he was well-loved by the fans, well-loved by all of his teammates, but everybody saw it coming. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen, and it, it still sucks. That that could be the that that seems to be the lesson of the 2018 to 2019 Detroit Lions season. It's like it's expected, but it still sucks. <laughs> that on the yeah. tombstone right now, and Glover Quinn is just another episode in that because yeah, it's a declining thing, but it's also one of those faces that really meant something to the Detroit Lions. Am I am I out of line saying that? Oh, ab- no. absolutely. He, he was. He was- he was a he was a mainstay man. It, it wasn't just the leadership for the team, but just the amount of the amount of volunteer work that he did, and just everything about the guy. I mean, he he helped out all of his teammates with their finances. He helped out. Uh, obviously, he was a big leader in the locker room and helping with that secondary. He did so much volunteer work and phil- and philanthropy stuff inside and outside of Detroit. He's just been a great guy all around. The media loved him. The fans loved him. He's been good for so long. And then when his his play dipped and dipped as being generous for how his play was for most of the season. You know, it, everybody saw this coming and nobody wanted it to happen anyway. Yeah. You can see the outpouring from a lot of the players too. Charles Washington writing a lot, a lot, uh, learned a lot from this friend, this dude on and off the field. One of the realists to do it. Uh, Quandary Diggs, best leader I've ever been around, man. Uh, more from Quandary Diggs, just post on him on Instagram. Uh, Devon Devon Kennard was like, it was a pleasure to play with him, learn so much. Darius Slay gave shouts out. Jamal Agnew, embodiment of a leader. Like, just, yeah, like, it's, as you say, it's one of the leaders kind of leaving that locker room, and it's a lot to step up in his place, especially when it comes to that secondary. Uh, Did you have something to say there, Mansoor, on it? Yeah, so, I mean, he, like, he was probably one of the five most recognizable players on the Detroit Lions, like, outside, like, for people who aren't Lions fans, like, a guy who lives in Oakland, if he names five Lions players, Quinn is probably on that list, so him not being on the team anymore is, like, kind of odd, and it just puts you in a weird place. Also, like, he was so big in the development of both Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs, like, just his presence is secondary and like you said like kent said like just his leadership ability and just how well he apparently did like helping players younger players adjust the nfl that really can't be understated so it's actually like not only on the field is a huge loss but it's a huge loss to just like the organization and the culture in the patriot way or whatever the lions want to build like i feel he's the ideal like patriot way player and it sucks how father time caught up to him yeah, father time and just kind of the realities of this team. But it does leave a hole at that safety position. Um, like, what are, the Lions, can, what are the Lions losing by losing Glover Quinn right now? Like, when whole, it comes to on-the-field play. Yeah, a whole lot of snaps, right? I mean, Glover Quinn didn't yeah. miss time. He was just always there. He, having a reliable player, I mean, you always want to have good players. But having a player that's reliable is is a boon in the NFL. And... There, it, it's hard to imagine somebody being able to take that space. I mean, even even Darius Slay, as good as he was, he missed a lot of snaps this year due to the various injuries that he had and getting dinged up. You know, Glover Quinn just didn't. He he missed a few snaps here and there, but he was almost always on the field. And Tracy Walker was one of the highest graded players on the team this year, but it was a, it was a far far fewer snaps that he had that in. And now he's got to try to step into some pretty big shoes to be able to take over for Glover Quinn. Uh, the Lions are going to be trying to do a lot of, of single high safety and cover three type looks. So he's going to have to cover a lot of range on that field. And, you know, you don't, you don't just step into somebody like Glover Quinn's role and you're just there now, right? That, that's, there's, there's bound to be a, a feeling out period where we have to kind of deal with those, those growing pains. But how much patience are, fan, are fans going to have for that? Also, Walker was very like raw coming out of where did he go? Louisiana, right? <laughs> coming out of Walker was really raw, and he's like he's kind of similar to Darius Slay in his first couple of years, where he's like crazy athletic, really fast, but maybe like mentally he's not there yet. But now he's kind of thrust into the Glover Quinn center fielder position, either playing in the middle field in cover one or in the middle field of cover three, and that's like 
a huge thing to ask for a young player who may who has only played limited time and we don't know how much Tracy Walker has developed, but to our knowledge, he still really hasn't like fully caught on to the, to like NFL speed. That's obviously why they weren't using him as the season went on. So yeah, it's thrusting a young player into a huge role. And we also don't really have a free safety. All of our safeties are strong safeties, right? I don't, Yeah. do we have a free safety anymore? I mean, Um, it doesn't really matter anymore, but it's just odd. I mean, on the depth chart, on the depth chart, I imagine um, Charles Washington and Miles Killebrew might get listed at free safety. Killebrew's more of a strong safety by Washington, yeah. I guess. But like, yeah, yeah, my, it's just Charles Washington then. Yeah, yeah, we're just rolling with the full modern NFL where no one has positions. Where the yeah, I mean, on the on the Lions depth chart right now, they list Miles Killebrew as the free safety, and okay. that's it. And that's. More of a, that's kind of a fall down the depth chart to think that they even listed him there, right? Because I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's that's not a that's not a role he was ever actually going to play. Yeah, like, yeah. That's like the the reserve kicker. Like, who, who, who's the, when when it golden Golden Tate was the emergency kicker? Like, it's yeah. it's funny that you're listed there, but you're never going to play that. That's that's kind of what Miles Killebrew at free safety would be like. You know, that's that's never going to happen. Yeah, like Matt Prater being listed for kickoffs, you know. Right. So, I mean, the 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 thing about you know Tracy Walker and and how he's going to project into that role is it's it's kind of similar how he played this year is kind of similar to how Miles Killebrew did when he first came into Detroit, where they gave him a very simple assignment when he was on the field. They said yeah, you're going to yeah you're going to cover this one dude, you're going to cover this one spot, you're gonna you're gonna blitz this play. It was all very, very simple assignments. He didn't have to do a whole lot of processing. And Tracy Walker was the same way when he was on the field on defense this year. He didn't have a whole lot of of processing that he had to do. Now he's got to step into that bigger role. And this is part of why Charles Washington might ultimately get that role over Tracy Walker, at least to start the season, is that that's a lot of mental processing to be able to do. And like you said, he's raw. He doesn't have that amount of experience coming into it. And he's going to have a huge step up in the amount of responsibilities he's going to have. And that's, that's rough to ask a guy that young and that inexperienced at this level of play, to be able to take that over. You know, their, their fans want to, they're, they're going to see that great. And they're going to be like, Oh yeah, he can step right. He can jump right in. You know, it's just like people wanting uh, Crosby to take over for Wagner because he did all right for a couple of games. It's like, <laughs> Oh yeah, they can jump. They can jump right into that full-time role. It's really not that simple. There's, there's far more assignments they have to know. There's more plays they have to know. There's more responsibilities that they have. You can look good in a limited role, and then you try to have them take, out, take on more responsibilities, and it just kind of falls apart. You know, that's, that's what the, the risk that they're going to have if they try to put Tracy Walker directly into that spot. So I guess this transitions into the question like, okay, so Tracy Walker might not be that answer to replace him. I mean, he's the immediate one right now, but. Um, answer will this be something on the lion's radar for free agency or the draft and which one of those two vehicles is probably more likely to find that free safety um so i mean we should add like depth at safety no matter what but yeah i don't think we're gonna like pay for a big name free safety are there i don't even know who the big name free safeties free agency are i'm not yeah most of them are strong safeties that yeah hit the market anyway i think this is more where the nfl is moving but we kind of do need a free safety. Like I, I mm. wrote about it like a couple months ago in my like Quandre Diggs film thing that like he's a box safety and then Tracy Walker's a box safety and Miles Killebrew's a box safety. Tavon Wilson, not really, but he also isn't like a like cover one, cover middle middle field, cover three guy. Like he's also not that role. So once Glover Quinn is gone, we just have a bunch of box safeties and one guy that can cover, which is yeah, I'm looking- a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the names I immediately recognize at free safety on the free agent market from Spot Track right now, and I can tell you right now, we've got Earl Thomas, who's 30. Uh, you've got uh, and Ha-Ha Hurt. Clinton, yeah, and Hurt, Haha Clinton Dex, who's probably gonna uh, Haha Clinton Dex. Uh, yeah, what was that? Strong name? safety, I think. I think. He's Sorry, played free, but he's he's a very scheme specific type of guy. Yeah. Like he's not gonna fit on every team. And then maybe Tyron Matthew, who I really only know because of college. He's a box safety, so probably yeah. not. Yep, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, like so no one to cover. Is this kind of a is this kind of position that even will be on this team next year, you think? Free safety? Because you say it's a lot of one safety looks. Like I don't yeah. 
I think it's I think it's one of the more essential pieces of the defense. Is, sure, is keeping that keeping that deep safety and having somebody that has that level of range. It's it's one of those positions, kind of like nose tackle, where you don't really notice it until you don't have somebody there. So it's it's a pretty sneaky need if Walker isn't the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Glover Quinton. I mean, he sucked last year, and he still played all those snaps, which kind of like mm-hmm. one is kind of an indictment of Tracy Walker as much as I hate to say it. And also like it shows how important free safety is because even having a below average free safety is better than just throwing another box safety in there. Yeah. I Is, is Landon Collins a box safety? I think the fr- giants are going to franchise tag him anyway. No, he's, 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 he's a, a free safety, safety but I, yeah, you know, he's a free safety, but I wouldn't, I don't, oh. I don't see him leaving New York. Yeah, I, I, I would think, be shocked if they let him go. No, there, I think they can franchise tag him as early as Tuesday. We're recording on a Monday, so it might happen by the time you're listening to it, but I don't see him leaving New York. I'm just throwing that out there. So it looks like then maybe it might be in the draft. Is there, Ken, is there even anyone that could probably fill this role in the draft, or should the Lions even invest draft capital to fill this position? You're going to hear me mention this quite a bit in the lead-up to this draft, but there's not a lot of consensus at most positions. And nice. safety is one of those ones where there's not a lot of, and, and you know what that means. Like we've, we've talked enough about it that you know what that means. If there's not a lot yeah. of consensus, that usually means that the top guys aren't that good, right? Or they mm-hmm. have significant flags. Um, but depending on what, what week you were looking at, you would see Deontay Thompson from Alabama as your top free safety. He's fallen off a lot. People are starting to look at his late season tape and they're starting to see some athletic difficulties, some lack of speed that's shown up. The combine is going to be huge for him for those reasons because people are thinking that his speed isn't as good. Uh, he's not the first guy, the top guy for most people anymore. Well, then you have Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. He all of a sudden he's the he's the top guy. He's got all this range. He's got all this athletic ability. Uh, and then pe- the more people start getting into his tape, they're they're kind of falling off on him too. Uh, and then the awesomely named Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, he's he's become the top guy for a lot of people. Uh, he's out of Florida, which I'm sure that. You know, Lions fans would would be totally rational reacting to the Lions <laughs> taking a defensive back out of Florida. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know if he's going to hold as the top guy either. I haven't watched enough on him to know what flaws might may or may not pop up on him. I kind of a little bit more experience with the other two. But, um, you know, they, this is just that time of year when people are kind of churning through their stuff. And usually you'll see a lot of number one, number two at positions get get cemented at this point. But we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing a lot of churning going on where the, the consensus top guys are getting replaced almost weekly. And I don't, I don't see any pop guy coming to Detroit. I don't think that's going to be their first or second round pick. Um, I've heard the safety depth is pretty good. I haven't dove into it as much, but I've been told that the safety depth is good in this class. Um, so that's, that's promising. <laughs> we've, got so a, solution- we've got a few draft picks, so... Yeah, so it seems like the solution is not going to be something that a Lions fan will see as ideal, to be sure. Like, no, I don't whatever, think we're going to get a surprise yeah. like Tracy Walker was, where we're going to get something like, I, don't, I didn't even know who this guy was. I don't think we're going to get that this year at safety, mm-hmm. but I think it's, I think it's gonna get, we're going to get picked up, and a lot of people are going to object to the pick that they want that's there. And, oh, why do they need to get safety? They have Diggs and Walker. And it's like, like yeah, well, it's still a need. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think anyone would say it's a need now. It's just going to add to that pile of needs that the Lions uh, seem to be building up when it comes to the defense right now going into this draft. Also, as an aside, I think the guy getting mocked to the Lions more than anyone is that polite guy. I don't know if that's how you're to say it. Out of Florida? Jukai Polite, yeah. Yeah, that's that's another Florida defender that we're going to draft in the first oh. round, potentially, which is going to be amazing. People are going to be so mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be More so Florida mad about games. it until they see... They're going to be so mad until he gets into a game and he bursts by. So I, I, I posted about it on Twitter when I when I did my, my write-up on Jukai Polite, but he's a guy that I wasn't very high on at first because he has, he has a lot of deficiencies in the run game. A lot of concerns in that area, but oh my god, this dude is so explosive. He could he could broad over eleven foot, I think, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. The guy's his first step is ridiculous, and he would he would have such a great burst on some of his plays that he didn't even have to turn to get to the quarterback. Like it's it's a straight shot almost because he's so far past the tackle that they can barely even get a hand on him because he's so explosive. And when his first move doesn't work. He's got this monster of a spin move and that's 
fantastic to watch. I mean, everybody remember Dwight Freeney at his prime. And that's the, mm-hmm. the first guy that people jump to is Dwight Freeney whenever there's a guy with a, with a mean sick uh, spin move. But there's like eight guys in this draft with good spin moves. And Ja'Kai Polites is easily, for me, the best one. He's, he's got an amazing spin move. So he's already got that burst around the edge. And then he's got an inside counter with a spin move. You know, that right there puts him you know, miles ahead of most, most prospects. Just the fact that he has a great first step and a great counter, that's, that's, that's great to have. So, yeah, he's got some deficiencies, and people are going to be mad because of the Florida connection, and they're going to make all those, those connections all they want because people scout the helmets first. But he still has some pretty insane elite traits that, that not only translate well to the NFL, but those, those type of things can keep a player around for a really long time. Because it's, it's useful. It's useful on the field. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to transition away. Uh, we say adieu to Glover Quinn, unfortunately. And we leave the questionings of, these, of the safety position to wait. So we'll see what the Detroit Lions do. In the meantime, we're going to continue our free agency uh, segments we've been doing. Next segment, talking about edge rusher. Still a huge need. And now the Lions, the Lions have been kind of putting off, filling any kind of role when it comes to getting someone to maybe taking over for Ezekiel Ansah or even like lining up opposite him. And now the, now it's hit the pavement. Now we got to figure it out. So we were going to talk about the best, some free agency news when it comes to edge rushers next on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Stick around. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back once again, Pride of Detroit podcast. Same thing I do for the intro. I don't know why I keep introducing it like that, but we always love to see you back. I'm glad you enjoyed your little break there and you're back here. Now let's talk about edge rushers. The NFL free agency is coming up. I know everyone wants to talk about the draft. We will get to the draft. I say that every week we will get to the draft and that usually depends on who's here, but let's talk about edge rushers in free agency, which is a minefield sometimes. Good edge rushers just don't generally make the market. And I think as uh, Mansoor, I think we can clearly say, though, that Ezekiel Ansah, at least for the Lions, will make that market right now. Um, I, unless the Lions come back around and sign him pretty early, I, what, what's your take on, on Ansah right now? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be entirely opposed to bringing him back if it's like an eight or nine million dollar deal. But there's going to be another team because I mean he was when he was on the field he was really 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 good. The problem is he's just not on the field. The problem also is that another team is going to give him a lot more than that because a lot of teams have just money to throw around. So they're going to decide you know why not throw money at a guy with upside. So well, I mean, would I they him, though? Yeah. I mean, would they though? Because I mean, Ansa's last few seasons have not been great. Like we keep talking about Ansa, but we're kind of looking now <clears throat> almost five years in the past to find you know some good some good seasons out of him. And when he did have the good statistical season, when he had that 12-sack season, what was it, nine of those sacks came against three, three teams? And, and it was yeah. against backup tackles in each of them? And Eric Flowers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, in 2018, I feel like he was, he was never on the field. But when he was on the field, he was actually like really, really good, which is a weird thing where like I wish he wasn't as good as he was in 2018 because it would make the decision easier. But like if he, he can stay on the field, he's an above-average pass rusher, and he's – what he's like gives the lions so much um i think one understated thing like towards the end of the year our defense is really good and that also like we gave a lot of credit to snacks and patricia for scheming things but also onso was around that was probably a part of it we had an actual good pass rusher for the first time all season so i don't want to give him like demarcus lawrence or trey flowers money because he's going to get injured again but if we can get it we can keep him for cheap why not right 
Yeah, I think the Lions will have to eventually, though, get maybe another edge rush somewhere, too, just because it's just the depth right now is just not good either, right? Yeah, it's um, not. <laughs> we, we have, we we have had, too uh, many depth pieces and no, like, starters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, mean, exactly. maybe Okwara, maybe Okwara you can lean on a bit, but, I mean, I'm not comfortable with that being the only option, too. Uh, that and said, that's, though, that's what's frustrating from a fan perspective, because, yeah. like... You know, Kennard and Okwara put up good numbers, so everybody thinks that they're good pass rushers, but they're they're not like yeah. at all good yeah, pass rushers. And and that's not it's not that they're they're bad players. That's that's not the case. They were both good players. They were both good signings, and they both helped the team. But you know, sack numbers being what they are is just finishing plays. And there were so many of those sacks where it was like five, six, seven, eight seconds, and then they were getting the sack. It's like, yeah, that's because they're sitting there just wondering which corner they're going to throw to this play, and they wait too long and get <laughs> hit. All right, we might as well just rip the Band-Aid off right now and talk about the one that I know every fan keeps asking us in the mailbag about, uh, Trey Flowers. Will the Lions get yes, no, will the Lions get Trey Flowers? Well, apparently he's a f- huge franchise tag candidate right now, so if he gets franchise tagged, then no. Obviously, but if he doesn't, then I feel like we're probably the front runners because of the Patricia connection. But it do you really think that'll carry that much, though? You really think that'll carry that much? Because I hear about that Patricia connection all the time, but for a guy like Trey Flowers hitting the market, like their lines aren't going to be the only suitor out there. It's a narrative, though, and yeah, we love those. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think that that he knows he has a defined role here but he's going to get offered so much more money from other teams. And he's 26 year old pass rusher on the market with no character flaws, no significant injury history and at least some scheme versatility. It's going to be tough to offer him a contract. He couldn't get better elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, let's see who else is on the list then. Um, Dante Fowler jr. Uh, again, pro- I, I don't know. Is he another candidate you think for a franchise tag? No. No? <laughs> no. Okay. That's a, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for him. I, I feel like he's probably going to give them a, a chance to make him a good offer, right? Because they they took a chance on him when he felt like he was completely washed. You know, they, they trade. And uh, he, he, he probably feels some kind of, of, of duty to that team to give them a chance to, to make him an offer. Yeah, the Rams. But yeah. I don't think that he's going to – I don't think he's going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, the market's just too too good. By the way, the franchise tag is being projected from the players' union at about like seventeen point three million or so right now. An increase of seventeen point three, or uh, no, 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 no. That's what? the um. That's just what. what oh, the, the tag. tag the tag. Oh, I the tag. The the tag is, I'm sorry. No, I'm. Yeah, no. The set. <laughs> the, the tag is the tag. The franchise tag is going to be seventeen point yeah. three million for that's defensive ends. That's for a defensive lot for ends. Yeah. Fowler wasn't he was he was like eh, last season he was yeah he's not getting a tag he even he's more of like a second tier like free agent pass rusher in general I think like Preston Smith from Washington I like him he's um he's I guess falls in that Fowler tier but he's been more consistent and puts up numbers but he also might be cheap because like people might just forget about him which is a thing that happens sometimes in the yeah. NFL and he's more likely to leave because Washington's so messed up right now yeah, like when he's more likely to be on the market. We don't have to compete with the team he's on because that team doesn't know what they, they might not know he's there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Preston Smith, I, I like Preston Smith. Is there anyone else? Yeah, kind what of what on Dante Fowler has. Yeah. Yeah, what Dante Fowler has working for him, though, just to to close him up, is he's he's only twenty five. So yeah. he, that he's got that working for him. He's young. Yeah. Um, so I guess for anyone else on the radar, I'll go through like a lightning round, I guess. Um, sure, go ahead. There's Demarcus Lawrence, who is going to get like more money. He's going to get like Stafford money, basically. But also mm-hmm. the Cowboys yeah. apparently plan on signing him, signing him to a long-term deal. But I would be fine with Lions giving him Stafford money if he hits the open market. He is so good. Um, Jadavion Clowney is probably getting tagged. D Ford's probably getting tagged. Um, Zadarius Smith, we were talking about him like a minute ago. Or sorry. D Ford would be so good in this defense, though. God, yeah. I wish we could get D Ford. Yeah, yeah. But he's very, very good. So the Chiefs are going to make sure he doesn't come <laughs> <Right>. here. Um, <laughs> I, I like Zadarius Smith. He really exploded last season. And um, like CJ Mosley might get the tag there. 
meaning if Baltimore can't find a way to like give him a long-term deal, he might hit the open market and he'll command a lot of money, but I also feel like he's worth it if like he builds on what all of, everything he showed in 2018. So Zadarius Smith is another name to like keep on your mind. Uh, any names that you've got there for yourself, Kent, that you've kept an eye on? Oh, yeah, guys that we're probably going to see in Detroit. You know, we we got Gino Grissom, right? You know, we, oh, he's, he's probably going <laughs> to... <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Deion Jordan is another guy that I, I think they might take a shot on just because he's got... Even though he's had all that baggage and he's had all this, the, the first-round flop stuff, Deion Jordan was over in Seattle this year. Um, I think he's a guy they might take a look at. He's almost 30 now. He's been out of the league and in the league, and he's had so many flags on him. But I think he's the might be their redemption project, one of the, the last round of free agency they signed to try to do something with him. Uh, because I think they'll try to make him a stand-up guy, kind of like how the, the Patriots used. Uh, and we were talking about this with uh, some other players in the draft, but how the Patriots use Kyle Van Noy, where they have a, a pass rusher that stands up, but he mostly plays linebacker and then blitzes. I think they might try to do something like that with him. Um, but no, this, this pass rusher class is mostly full of guys who are going to re-sign with their original team or get tagged. Or there are some guys kind of down the list here, like Jihad Ward. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's guys like that where it's like, yeah, I mean, the, you're, you're banking on the fact that they could be an ascending talent, um, but they probably aren't. It, it's just the way that most players are. And that's, that's not digging on those individual players. Most players just aren't most players by this point, if they're hitting free agency, you have a pretty good idea of who they are. Yeah. And like Zadarius Smith is a guy who's an ascending talent. He's been getting better over the last couple of years and then he exploded this year. So that's a guy that could hit the market that, that isn't just a known quantity. He's somebody that's been improving each year. So you, you have that projectability, but a lot of these guys are just, they just are who they are. Like Alex Okafor is a name that I've, I've heard thrown around for the Lions as a possibility. But Alex Okafor pretty much is who he is right now. And I, I, see, I see him going back to the Saints just because he knows they know him and he knows them. They're comfortable with him and he fits there. You know, it, it's, it, it's just he, he's, he's comfortable there. He is what he is and that's where he fits. And most teams are going to view it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess the other question is, could the Lions, could you see the Lions going after maybe like a veteran on like a one-year deal kind of situation? Someone like, say, Frosty Rucker or even, or even dare I say his name, Cameron Wake? <laughs> Cameron Wake is like 50. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not bad, though. That's the crazy thing. No, he's, oh, he's actually... been very consistent throughout his career. Yep. I don't know. I mean, there's Bruce Irvin would be interesting because I think that they could use him in in a couple of interesting ways to to use him as a situational rusher. But he's got baggage, right? And I, I don't yeah. know if they're gonna they're gonna bring anybody like that on a veterans deal like that for a one year deal. Michael Johnson is gonna go back to Cincinnati again. He's, he's hit the free agent market like six times and always goes back to Cincinnati. I mostly just wanted to bring up Frosty Rucker because he went to USC and I love that name, his name, Frosty Rucker. That is, that is a pretty great name. It's a great Vin, name. Vinny Curry got cut by, um, who was it? Who cut yeah, it? The Buccaneers. And um, yes. that, that team. Um, he, he was good on the Super Bowl Eagles. Was he, I don't, was he very good this year? Like he got cut, obviously. He got cut is with like two years left on his contract too. So, so is he just they a flop this out. year? I didn't watch the Bucks at all. They're so boring. Mm. Was he just a flop this year, or I think I think so. I mean, I don't I don't think that you get cut that early into a deal if you if you're playing even remotely well. Like you get the opportunity. He had two and a half sacks this year. Well, he oh. played twelve games this year too, but I mean, yeah, very limited, very limited use on the f- production on the field. To be sure, only started seven though, so he wasn't yeah. even starting, and they had, they had given him enough money to be a starter, so. Another guy that could be a situational rusher with short-term upside, but we have enough of those. Yeah, I mean, when it comes when it comes to Vinny Curry, like he had a he had just a monster 2017 uh, career with um, year with Philadelphia. But I think you're you're right. Tampa did kind of overpay because they saw the glint there. But I mean, Tampa's again one of those franchises that I'm not expecting too many smart decisions from. (laughs) 
So, I mean, who Fair. knows? Who knows? Who knows what the real uh, value of Vinnie Curry of Vinnie Curry is? Because, like, yeah, it looked in 2017, like he was turning it on, but then he just kind of, yeah, I don't know what happened in Tampa with him, to be honest. Yeah, he only had three sacks in 2017, but he had 18 quarterback hits. He yeah, was, I mean, he was, he was just there. very he was very productive in in just yeah getting into that backfield and making a mess, but. Anyway, we'll leave it there. We will continue on this series another week here as we get closer and closer to March and the free agency franchise tags might be coming soon enough too. We'll have to just keep an eye out for all of that, all of that delicious news and draft soon enough because I think that's where the real action is going to come with edge rushers. But I've been saying that for two years now, so don't take my word on it. <laughs> we will be right back. We're getting into the mailbag next from the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Mail time, hashtag AskPOD, as always, to get your questions in. We're joined by one Ryan Matthews, the rock god, finally joining us again a little later than expected. Hi, Ryan. Hello. I'm so happy to join my most favorite segment of the podcast. I'm starting to suspect you take these naps on purpose, just to get in for mailbag. Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. Well, regardless, we got four people. Huddle around the mailbag. This is the time of the podcast where we let our hair down, have some fun, and answer pressing questions, which is, of course, at this time of year, filling up with a lot of draft questions, to be sure. But as always, you can ask us anything you want, because we love asking and hearing from you on very weird questions for us. Podcast has not been back to weird territory yet, but it is the off-season, and you know we'll be there before long. So we always dip into it. Yeah, Ryan? I was going to say, I will say that the mailbag is all, I would say that the mailbag is the er segment, like the weird er, the bet er, like we should call it the er segment. That is wonderful (laughs) reasoning there. Thank you. Okay. Well, with that in mind, let's start with, because there's a lot of serious questions this time, but we are going to get to, I called in a favor for, from a friend for at least one weird thing. Um, but I want to start with do, 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 do. <laughs> let's let's get this with Tom, from Thomas Thomas Hutchins or Thomas Thomas Hutchins. No H is throwing me off. He says he is pretty. I am pretty high on picking Cole Beasley as a slot option. Swifty on routes and has a high has a hype rap career going. Hashtag one pride kind of swag question mark. Is the question, should we sign Cole Beasley? Yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's fine. I don't know he's a rapper. I'm going to look him up. I had no idea Cole Beasley had a rap career. I would have made fun of that if I knew that. Before that now. was a tweet? There's yeah, so that was many tw- things going on in that. How did you fit that in so many things into 280 characters? It's not spot. even that long. That, that would have fit into old Twitter, too. That's 140. Oh We've got a free agency question, rap question, swag questions. I don't even know how to handle that one. Ryan, you seem to know a lot about swag. Yeah, and I know Cole Beasley doesn't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. He has a 2018 mixtape called The Autobiography. Okay. Song names like (laughs) I Am What I Am, Shock Value, Percantil, Perk, I can't fucking read. Perco Latin. Percolate is how you make tea, dude. Okay. Oh, that's how green. you make tea and coffee. A drug or something. I think, I think, I he, think he's going most, for that. The most important song title is I Am What I Am. Yes, you are, Cole Beasley. You are <laughs> what you some, are. This is some Shaq level. Like, this is like when Shaq tried to make a rap album. These are the, this kind of level of names. If, if I Am What I Am doesn't have a a Denny Green sample on it, then <laughs> did you even do it the right way? 
<laughs> one is song. One is called "United Hate of America." So Cole got political, I guess. Whoa! Hey, mm. actually, you know what? I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of in on Cole Beasley now. My feelings have <laughs> are shifted. Gonna, are we going to have to start the next POD cast with some Cole Beasley music? Yes. Let's get him on the pod. We're going to get a DCMA takedown notice on Cole Beasley's rap album. <laughs> I the think the, the best thing that could happen is if we got Cole Beasley on the podcast and then Chris started spinning like an instrumental. All right. All right I need 16 from you, Cole. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Battle rap with Ryan Matthews. <laughs> I, 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 need, I, need, I need 16 from Beasley. You're on a Detroit. You're on a Detroit podcast here, man. We do battle rap. <laughs> Yo, check it. Check it. Check it. Spin it again. One time. One time. Okay. That was awful. Uh, Honolulu Blue, Josh, asking us, do you see the Lions trying to bring back Golden Tate? I want him to. Does that count? I mean, if he's available and he's not too expensive, I don't see why they wouldn't. But will he want to come back to a team that traded him? I feel like that's like, I don't know. I wouldn't. They traded me. Fuck them. But. I don't know what Golden Tate's thinking. So they might try. Yeah. Are we allowed to cuss on here? I forgot. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I feel yeah, like he'd it. come back if they gave him the same deal that they offered him before, but I doubt that they would offer him the same deal that they had offered for. Yeah, and I mean, like, he was pretty decent with Pittsburgh, with Philadelphia. I almost said Pittsburgh, excuse me, Philadelphia. Like, it's not like he's just, you know, bombed out and just hard, is hard up for a contract right now. Yeah, I I mean I would be interested in bringing him back. Some of the some of the like uh suggested offers for him, like kind of like uh trying to determine what his market value is, seems like something I would I would put him at. Like I've seen some offers like 2 years 22 million or like 3 years 31 million. I mean like that's something that you could talk me into for Golden Tate. All right, next question here is from Ross at crafty underscore consumer, which, by the way, he's my friend. I'm going to shout him out. And if you are a Michigan State fan, you should follow him. He does a lot of fun. He also does a lot of Big Ten, like, gifts and, and screen caps and all, all sorts of stuff. So he's cool. Um, he asks us, if the Lions were a video game company, which one would they be? Yeah. EA, well, at least like EA's had some hits. Like EA, I would say is the Dallas Cowboys. So Ubisoft, I guess. Uh, no, 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 EA, EA is easily the Patriots. They, they, they're horrible. No one likes them, but they're still one of the most successful things you can possibly have. No, they that's always out there. Oh yeah, yeah, but EA has all the huge sports franchises, and they've got everything locked up. Like you can't even make a dang I, football see, game that- without having their permission. But that's why I say the cowboy that they're the cowboys in this equation because the cowboys like you know they stumble and falter like EA can't put out a proper Star Wars game even though they have the that franchise they have that franchise and they can't make a single game in like how many years and yeah like they have all this money but they still just seemingly make some of the dumbest mistakes in the world yeah I mean um, these are all these are, these are good points however I I think I want to agree with Kent just for the fact that like you know. EA has the monopoly on the NFL license. And I mean, can we even have a Super Bowl without the Patriots anymore? That's that's <laughs> true. I just think Activision is the more evil of the two between. I EA think we're, and we're getting away from the original question. Like, what yeah, would the Lions But I have, right? I have an answer for this. It is Sega. <laughs> specifically, specifically from Sega, it's Team Sonic. <laughs> we're not even in the game anymore. That's, that's not fair. Like, <laughs> Sonic had a, had a like good times at least. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, but so that's, the that's the point. Yeah, way back. Yes, the last good set Sonic games are like way back in like the early '90s, which in video game terms might as well be the '50s. And ever since then, they've put it. Sega has put out just some bewildering games, which I mean, some are decent, but like if you think about Sonic itself, like they're awful. They're crap. They've been crap forever, and yet all their fans keep coming back and keep trying to play the games and justify them to other people. Yeah, I actually can't argue with that. Yeah, they also like you. both are blue too. So <laughs> Well, I am sold. <laughs> Y'all going some big names and I'm just like, no, nah, no, nah, I've got this. I've got this one on lock. I've been thinking too much on video games lately. Anyway, next question we have here is uh, from Sebastian Enke. Who is your most favorite character in The Sopranos? 
So I'm, I, I'm easy just because I love Tony, and it's not even hard for me in that one. Is that cheating? That's cheating. No, I mean, cheating is what I'm about to say is I don't like any of them because none of them are supposed to be likable. Yeah. I mean, that's like, fair. Like, it just, this is, but I mean, that's prestige TV, right? And that's why it took off because, like, the best type of characters are flawed. But when it comes to the people in Sopranos, it's just, they're all just kind of at, on, a, on a high level, just scumbags. <laughs> True. I don't like any of them because I've never seen an episode of The Sopranos. So I was about to say, you're, oh. you're, you're probably younger than Ryan. I, I am much younger than Ryan. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hold on. <laughs> Me and Ryan are younger here. than a zygote. Why? Why did you have to twist the knife? <laughs> I don't think me and Ryan are in the same generation, technically. Oh, dude, come on! Like I am, I am bleeding out right now. <laughs> it's a dark realization, isn't it, Ryan? Uh man, nothing matters. What's your favorite <laughs> character from The Sopranos? I'm not going to lie. I like the shrink. I like Melfi. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. All right. Kyle Warwick asking us, what is the history of the of gridiron heroes before we started trotting out a dude in a glittery hard hat? Uh, first off, gridiron, Theo gridiron spite is pretty cool. Don't knock him. And second, gridiron heroes is a very old song. Like one of the few surviving kind of marching band songs for the NFL. I don't know. I don't know what too much about the history. That that is something we need to look into. That is that would make for some interesting interesting talk. But it is like I mean, can you guys really name too many other? Because I can only name three marching band type of like anthem songs for the NFL, and that's Gridiron Heroes, Bear Down, and Fly Eagles Fly. And I hail. guess actually hail to the yeah hail to the. Hail to the racial slur, I guess, is the fourth. I, I, I can't think of any. I don't know. When, when I think of like music and football, though, I, I tend to gravitate towards college football. Yeah, that's where, that's where it usually comes to, right? It's, it's kind of weird to see it in the NFL, but there are some of those out there. Yeah, and I guess, Monsur, come, like, buckle yourself in, but I'm going to say like the anthem music that I associate with football I don't know why, Chris, you might roll your eyes, but like I think of Seven, Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. <laughs> I know what that is. I, I live right near Baltimore. The Ravens, that's their song. Well, go home. Like everyone's song. Yeah, I know, it's but like the, Ra- the Ravens pretend, and Virginia Tech, they also pretend like they like own it. Everyone pretends like they own it. But yeah, they're, they're right Yeah, and, and in Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin thinks they own Jump Around, but doesn't mean they do. I know, but I'm saying I live near two places that... Own it. I know seven nation. <laughs> young Ryan, you're just nope. Old. Nobody owns anything. Okay, um, stepping into muddy territory here. Billy Sims made me do it, asking us uh, if we have any thoughts about the Colin Kaepernick settlement. And I think Claire on Twitter asks, uh, says as well, Kaepernick wants to play. What are your betting odds for where he would get signed? Um, I think at this point. I don't really have good odds for anywhere to say he's going to get signed anywhere because it's been now, what, like five years? I think that part of the settlement would be that he won't. Yeah. Um, I don't really have, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to get like hyper into this, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the settlement because some people say it's kind of a bit of a betrayal, but at the same time, it's too, like, I don't know, like, his protest and his case against the NFL has been a resounding success. And as someone else famously said elsewhere, just because you're taking the money in a civil case doesn't mean that you're settling on your principles. Also, yeah. no, and it's, it was a labor dispute in the first place, right? He's, he's, yeah. he, was, he was suing them over the lost money that he got that he, that he would have made had he played. And that, I mean, people can talk about, you know, him, his cause and all that stuff. When it really comes down to it, look at what shitty quarterbacks have made in the NFL over the last five seasons. I mean, there's a lot of money that's been thrown around. And whether you think Kaepernick was a good starting quarterback or not, look at some of these other guys who are clearly not have made. And that's what the, the, the ultimate dispute was, was whether or not he would have made that kind of money. He's, he, he's made a good amount of money off of the settlement because so many other people have been paid a lot of money who were terrible. 
Also, it sends a message to the NFL that they can't do this in the future. If they're going to do this again in the future, like blackball someone like that for protesting or doing something that the owners don't like, they will still have to pay him the amount he would get paid anyway. So, like, yeah, I guess to the NFL, $80 million is a drop in the bucket, but you're not really hurting the player by blackballing him. You're still paying him $80 million, and he doesn't have to get CTE. So, you know... <laughs> don't blackball him. Well, you know, yeah, like it sends a message to the NFL owners, like don't do that. Because if you do it again, now there's a precedent set. You'll have to pay the guy eighty million dollars. I I think the precedent is set, but I think you, I, I think what you kind of tucked in there, Monster, is like the the big thing is like it's just a drop. It's just a drop in the bucket. Like, I mean, I, I don't think that this is. I don't think that the Kaepernick situation, Kaepernick, Eric Reed. I don't think any any of this is really going to be a deterrent from the NFL trying to decide who they choose to include or exclude from their, from their product. I really They're don't just gonna be smarter about it. Right. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what we learned is like, you know, Kaepernick's camp had it had an opportunity to leak some like really damaging stuff, but like, you know, they, they weren't able to because they reached a settlement. I, I totally agree with you. Lock and step though. Like, I mean, awesome for Kaepernick for the fact that he was able to, you know, make the money that he made or kind of like recoup the money that he would have earned um, without having to go get his brain scrambled. Um, basically making as much money as Kirk Cousins, which right. I mean, <laughs> is, I mean, it's just Chris, it's absolutely chef kissy fingers, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember half the names that we were talking about here. All I know is that Matt, like the fact that the lions picking up Matt castle, not being the most egregious backup quarterback signing of 2018 is a damning, very damning sign. Honestly, that wouldn't even be, that wouldn't even crack my top five. Yeah. There were, there were even more, but I've kind of purged my memory of a lot of 2018 until we start doing our season. We rewind. So, (laughs) all right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Harrington HOF asking us and asking us and then for some reason arguing with himself for three, four <laughs> posts. He, he was going through it. <laughs> I, I, I guess. I guess. Um, how much does ownership impact a franchise's success? For example, Jimmy Haslam and the Fords owning winless franchises and the Roonies and Bob Kraft having a combined. And this is, I guess, why he started arguing with himself. Twelve Super Bowls. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't think it's anything more than luck. Like you can have bad. There are some owners that are bad and meddling, but I know the implication here is we got to tie this back to the lions. The Fords are not Jimmy Haslam. The Fords are not, uh, um, Mike Davis, Mark Davis. I mean, the, the most impact that the ownership has had was recently when they went through and fired Mayhew and Luan. Yep. But before that, they didn't do much. And I think that was part of the problem, which quickly got, with swi- William swiftly Clay got Ford, changed. Yeah. Well, that when, was a problem when, with William when, Clay Ford yep. standing, by his, standing by his guys for yep. much longer than they needed to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just not doing, not doing enough, right? And then yep. that changed, and it seems to be trending in a much better direction with, with uh, you know, Martha and then Sheila taking over operations. So, I mean, it's... It, they don't really do that much. I think people, I think people tend to overestimate what ownership actually does when it comes to the football teams. And they do the same thing. Like I, it's, it's almost like the owners, the, the president and the GM all have the same job in some people's eyes, right? They, they think they're all doing the same thing, but depending on what franchise you're looking at, they all have very different roles. Yeah. And and this is kind of part of a narrative push by the NFL too, right? It's why the owners get to touch the Lombardi trophy first and everything else. Like they're made out to be important and they're really not like, I know everyone looks to Bob Kraft and the Roonies, but the Roonies, when when were the Roonies really that important to the Steelers? They're very important right now. (laughs) I mean, right, right now, right now. Sure. But like, I, 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 I just refuse that narrative, really, because it's at the end of the day, it's the coaches in the front office who vastly decide the future of a of a team. Yeah, I, I think there, there, there was a big problem when William Clay Ford was here. And I think that problem was, I mean, it, it was all like based on like the Peter principle. I mean, he was just he was absolutely putting people in in positions that they were not qualified to to be in at all whatsoever. So but. Like, like, you know, like Kent said, 
recently with Martha at the helm, seems like they're making better, better decisions in terms of who's doing what within the organization. Yeah. And usually the, like, yeah, yeah. The most, like the more involved an owner is the worse the team I've realized. Like oh, yeah. the Browns yeah, yeah, has yeah. them as a clown. You have Dan Snyder as a clown. Jerry Jones is like, isn't he also the GM, right? If I'm not he wrong. is. He's he's yeah. bizarre. He has a bizarre role with the Cowboys. Uh, Jim Irsay mm-hmm. sometimes. Yep, yep. Like, Jim Irsay. Like when he's the not Colts doing drugs. drugs. <laughs> yeah, I, like if the owner just like collects a paycheck and stays out of it, that's usually better for the franchise. But some owners are very like arrogant. Oh, this is my team. We're doing it my way, and then yeah. they run into the ground. Like they draft Johnny Menzel in the first round for some reason. Stupid stuff or like, like that. Or like, and not to speak too ill of the dead, but when Robert McNair goes out there and makes just ill-advised oh, yeah. comments, like it does impact his team very hurtfully. The team. Yeah. So, whereas Bob Kraft, I mean, all Bob Kraft has to do is sign some checks and just let, let uh, Belichick do what he wants to do. Smile for the camera. Smile for the camera, baby. All right. Um, let me find this here. We had a few questions here about Antonio Brown because speaking of the Steelers and speaking of all that and seeing Antonio Brown, here we go. Alliance of American Juni asking us if hypothetically Detroit acquired Antonio Brown, what would they give up and would he be a good fit? He would be a good fit because he's, he's Antonio one Brown. Of the greatest receivers in the history of football. Um, probably a first and then another draft pick like a third or a fourth or something if you guys agree i'm not yeah i don't think it's i don't that. think it's going to cost that much that that relationship is toxic right now and they're just trying to offload him i don't think they're going to get that i mean I, I don't know if you remember back when brandon marshall got traded he was traded for two thirds and it was a very similar situation where he it was very early in his career he was he was a prolific receiver at the time um and and he only went for two thirds that's nothing and, you think and Antonio, Brown is, Antonio Brown is fighting to get out of that town. So I don't, I don't think it would go for that. Would you like you to think, see him run? I'm sorry. Oh. No, go on. Go on. Do you think they'll, uh, they'll get a first round pick out of it? Cause I've, I've seen some people say he's like not even worth a first anymore for how much he's tanked his um, draft or his like trade value. Just by, now, like, what he's beating. What he's worth. He's worth way more than what he's going to get. They're yeah. going to get the trade value because the, the relationship is so toxic. I mean, he's, he's calling out the ownership and the teams and the coaches and the quarterbacks on, 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 the, on social media. There, there's no way that they're going to hold on to him or try to sell him for a first. They, they have no reason to try to do that. He's not going to play for them and not going to play nice with them. They're going to want to get rid of him. And Brandon Marshall, when he was traded from Denver, you know, he was coming off three straight 100-yard receiving or 100-reception seasons. And he was 25 at the time. He was even younger. And he went for two-thirds. And right. draft picks are worth less now. You know, the team, teams might give up a second and maybe another pick for it, but I don't see him going for a first even though he's worth it. I mean, if, if it was just a straight-up trade and there, there was no money involved or any of that kind of stuff, I could see a first and additional picks, but with how toxic that relationship is, I don't think that they're going to get any more than a, maybe a one day two pick and a day three pick. All right, last question here from Saint John de Saint. Oh my God, Saint, Saint John, John de Don. Thank you. If the Lions re- going back to our edge rush talk, if the Lions re-sign Ezekiel Ansa, that's a horrible move by Bob Quinn, right? Yeah. You think so? I think so. I mean, I think at this point you just have to understand that you can't expect that much out of him. Like, I mean, guys, it's been how many years since Ansa's been a steady, productive guy from a health and productivity standpoint? I mean... I think at this point, like if you sign him, you're understanding the risk that you're taking. You're getting a guy who will not be as healthy as possible. And if he is healthy, it's not going to be very long lasting. I mean, his health is directly tied to his productivity. And at this point, I don't think you can count on him being healthy. I, I, I hope the best for him, but I, I just think you're, si- you're signing, you're signing what, you're, what you know you're getting. 
I do. I can't great. imagine terms. I can't imagine terms that would make me happy with that signing. Like it, I was, I was going to say it would depend on the terms, but I can't imagine any terms that I would be okay with it that I think are realistic. Yeah. It feels like if the Lions do re-sign Ezekiel Ansa, that they've completely struck out on edge rush. Totally. And yeah. like they're, they're, they're telling you right away that they just don't want to spend the draft capital either. Yep. That's it. I mean, that, yeah. Signing Ansa seems like, hey, we're going to kick the can for another year, right? Which would be intolerable at this point. <laughs> like, this idea <laughs> to keep just kicking. I know the league, like, we're talking about more about, def- you know, defending against the pass and everything else, but this is just getting intolerable when it comes to waiting for the Lions to make a move when it comes to the edge. Mancer, any thoughts? Oh, um, I mean, I mentioned earlier that, like, yeah, if we could get him for, like, eight or nine million, sure, but, like, like what Kent said, where someone's going to give him more money, so he's not going to sign with us. So, like, there is probably a price tag I'd be okay with, but unless he, for some reason, takes a hometown discount, we're not getting him for that price tag. Yeah, and I just don't see that. Team with Cap's going to pay him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. I guess we end on a non-cold open this time. Thanks for tuning into the show. See you all next time. Goodbye. That was an excellent way to end it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Smoky, low goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff, he's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I Am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.